Welcome everyone to On Podcast, on Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. And I'm your host today, Kareem Anderson. I'm joined by David Allen, quickly yes, known the, as the fun one. The fun one is here, and we're going to have actually a fun podcast because we're not going to be covering just specific news for the week. We are covering all the news for the year. And by all the news, I mean at least all of the big things that made headlines uh, in 2022 for Microsoft. Uh, we're going to break it down in categories for you. So if you are a fan of any one specific category, you can go ahead and jump ahead to that, uh, fast forward through that. I'd like you to sit through all of, my, or all of our meandering, but if you don't, uh, we'll let you know we're going to be talking about Windows. We're going to be talking about Surface. We're going to be talking about Xbox. We're going to be talking about a little bit about cloud, even though it's probably the biggest sector in Microsoft's business portfolio. Uh, we're also going to be talking about, uh, what was the last one? I forget what it was. Oh, man, what did we say the last one was? Right? Anyway, we're going to be talking about all Microsoft stuff. Uh, let's jump into it, and we'll, we'll come across that last section when we can think of it. Uh, but at least get into the first thing, which is Windows. Uh, any of you who are old-school Microsoft followers, fans, uh, news junkies, Windows was always the biggest thing. Uh, it is less that these days, but it is still big news. We had our first big update after Windows 11 kind of came out the year before. We had our, what is it, the, what they call it? The, they call Windows it moments 11. now, don't they? Ah, I think that was the, hopefully the internal uh, memo going around. I think they just called it the 2022 update, wasn't it? Is that what it was called? No, okay, you're going, okay, we're going back that far. You're right. It's just the 2022 update. I have, I, ha, I had read something somewhere where they may no. change it to moments for next year. Yeah, That's what was on abs- my mind. You're absolutely correct. I believe the internal memo when we first got in January or was that moments was it and everyone kind of mocked it like, really? And Microsoft was like, hey, hey, we didn't name it. We just we were talking about it, people. So, uh, yeah, we got a first taste of what an update uh, could look like coming from uh, Windows 11. Now, we know that Microsoft had talked about uh, slowing down the pace of development for Windows, uh, moving away from the yearly update cycles, per se, and moving more to these moments that happen throughout the year uh kind of like the pixel what do they call the pixel updates yeah that happen every year it's on the tip of my tongue basically it's a feature feature update is what they call a feature pack or something like that it's a feature pack that happens microsoft would like to do more of those we had our first one this year uh we haven't had another one since but i believe next year they plan to at least have two or three of those big drops uh while still maintaining windows 11. I don't believe we're going to be getting Windows 12 or whatever the next version of Windows is for another two or three years. Uh, and from that point on, I believe just like we did with Windows uh, 95, with Windows uh, 7, with Windows, yeah, those kind of you know gaps in between, that's where we're going to be seeing the bigger updates. Now, I don't know what comes with those things, but if you uh, were recalling, uh, this feature update brought in a new file explorer. We finally got our tabs from sets that we had. We've been all looking forward to. Uh, we have a new update for the taskbar. We got updates to the widget uh, layout as well. Uh, I believe Task Manager was updated uh, in this in this feature update. Uh, we got a bunch of minor things for apps stuff, like the Photos apps got updated. Uh, I believe Paint got updated. Uh, there were some updates to... There was uh, OneDrive. There was a few OneDrive updates, too. A few OneDrive updates as well. Uh, we finally got... Um, uh, uh, added stuff in the start menu, which, you know, kind of was reminiscent of what we did with Windows 8, where, or Windows 8 and 10, where we kind of started off super bare bones for the start menu. People complained about all the stuff that was missing from Windows 7. And slowly over time, Microsoft started adding more and more. By the time Windows 10 had matured, we had all of the customizations that we could ever want from that start menu. And then we started Windows 11 back at square one with less customizations, basically none, and people complaining about it. So, They've added more stuff. You're able to add folders now. You're able to add more tiles, or you can uh, switch between like you know recommended things, which are normally files within your own system. Uh, they've added some additions to the search itself and the way that it kind of indexes things. Still not the greatest experience, but they're moving on to it. Uh, we got the, I uh, believe, Android subsystem in uh, Windows. We also got the Amazon, not Am- Amazon App Store, which is the Android version. I don't know anybody using that. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, we also got an update to the Microsoft Store, a pretty big, significant one, uh, which brought in some uh, kind of things that 
help update that whole process and make it a little cleaner. Uh, we've got some tweaks in the settings menu, mostly UI stuff. Microsoft's been backfilling all of the requests that we've had for prompts and things that are all super outdated, stuff that's coming from you know, Windows XP or even older than that, that looks nothing like Windows 10 or Windows 11. So we got all of that. Uh, you can go to our site to see all of the news about Windows 11, but just going to the search typing Windows 11, we have covered that thoroughly. Um, we're gonna move on to our next section. I'll let you start off that one. Let's see, what did we say our next section was? I believe I wanna, you can, wanna go you, ahead. You can, you can choose between Surface, you can choose between Xbox, Okay, let's throw in the Surface. Let's go for it. All this right. year we had the Surface Pro 9 and the Surface Laptop 5. <laughs> and Microsoft decided we had this lovely thing over there called the Surface Pro X, which I thought was a cool device, to say, look, now you've got an ARM version of the Surface Pro 9. From an average consumer point of view, I got to say it, let, let's confuse people a little bit here because <laughs> I know some folks myself who went Surface Pro shopping, came back with the ARM version, got it home and went, hey, this does not run all of my software. That the, What did I buy? And they you know, go to the system about info. Oh, I got the ARM version. And it's been interesting to see with the folks that I've ran into, they don't realize they bought it. So I think that part of it and not being more clear between ARM and Intel and what the differences are ha has not helped this situation any. The other thing that hasn't helped this situation, we've got the Surface Laptop 5. Well, what's the big difference between the 5 and the 4? We did get a Thunderbolt port on the 5, I believe. You know, that that that's a nice addition. But other than that, we kind of played what I put in a post, the spec bump game this year, where we just bump the internal specs up, give it a little bit quicker RAM, a little bit more CPU. We did drop AMD this year in the CPUs for the Surface laptop. I was not a fan of that. I was a fan of seeing the AMD option. Again, that's me. But Maybe Microsoft said this year's the spec pump year and next year they're going to surprise us with maybe something foldable. We keep seeing those come up. Will they go that route? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, um, to your surface point, uh, it, in, a, in a year where Microsoft kind of eased off the gas, so to speak, uh, for surface hardware, which again, uh, kind of reusing the shell of the Surface Pro X, uh, and the Surface Pro 8, uh, so to speak, and kind of combining the two. Um, there was still plenty of news, like the Surface Duo team basically yes. took the entire year off. They have been in the lab hammering out updates and, for the most part, nailing them. Now, we got the big uh, Android 12L update, and for the first three weeks or so, everyone loved it. There became some issues and bugs that kind of sprouted up. Uh, but Microsoft released another, I believe, update in the beginning of November that kind of, you know, readjusted everything and kind of got it back to where it needs to be. Uh, we are expecting some sort of refresh, rehash for the Surface Duo next year. So at, to your point of maybe Microsoft is, is going to be doing big hardware changes to the Surface lineup, such as, um, you know, the hardware casing for the Surface laptop might get you know, might follow the Surface Laptop Studio. Maybe it gets less wedge-like and just more industrial, so to speak. Maybe the edges are more rounded than they are in that. Maybe, you know, we get the, uh, we finally get the, the haptic trackpad, which is, you know, something people really want in all of the Surface devices. Maybe that starts coming to the keyboards that are attached to the Surface uh, Pros as well, that haptic trackpad that is really nice. They might be a little more expensive, unfortunately, but again, we might see all these stuff alongside the introduction of a duo. Now, as far as the folding devices are concerned, I think Microsoft is still going to ease up off that because to me, they don't make sense. Uh, uh, we've, uh, seen some, we've seen some companies kind of come out with folding things and what they've essentially done is just made two screens. And I think to that point, uh, I believe I was speaking with another friend about this, Microsoft's approach while the duo was kind of panned, it was mostly for software, not for any of the hardware. 
people love the aspect ratio. Uh, they love the screen. They love the, the the hinge. They love the hardware. It was the software that kind of failed them. And I think to to that point, I think software or people that are coming out with foldable laptops need to take after the Neo. The Neo had a very unique aspect ratio that made it sensible. You're not just opening up a laptop that has two you know, OLED screens. You're, there's a reason why it's a little bit smaller and a little bit taller than, uh, you know, just say a six, two 16 by nines put together. So until that, you know, people start following that, kind of like the Apple 9, where people are saying, hey, that's the sweet spot. We don't need tall like the Z Fold. We need short and wide because that makes more sense. Um, I don't think Microsoft's going to jump back into that, at least for as hardware is concerned. The other thing, I think there's one thing left out. I know um, the Surface Studio has it. I think you have a Surface Studio, don't you? I'm, I'm not sure which model you have. But the dedicated GPUs, you, you can only get a dedicated GPU in a Microsoft product if you buy that Surface Studio. There was talk and rumors of, of a gaming laptop. Now, I personally don't care one way or the other whether Microsoft gives give us a gaming laptop or not. I don't think it's their thing. I think it's a crowded market. But I would love to see at least an entry-level dedicated GPU in the Surface laptop. And I'll go one step further. If you follow Asus, they've got the Asus Z13, which is a Surface Pro, we'll call it a clone. It's got the kickstand and the whole nine yards. They did manage to squeeze a 3050 in that unit. Now, it's a little bit thicker, and it's not meant to be a productivity machine like the Surface. It is more gamery-based, but it would be nice to see Microsoft pick that up and say, look, we're going to offer at least one more low-end, doesn't have to be high-end, dedicated GPU option. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I, you know, you and I both have our machinations for the Surface lineup because we, I, we use the products, we talk about them, write about them. I would expect, and again, this is just me throwing stuff at the wall, that they will do a Surface Laptop Studio in a 14-inch and a 16-inch, with the 14-inch being your entry-level GPUs, hopefully for a lower price than the current one that came out. Uh, and then I think they will leave the Surface Pro, unfortunately, <clears throat> and, the, and the Pro or you know, Surface Pro 9, whatever they call it, Surface Pro 10, uh, as a productivity device that can connect to <clears throat> eGPUs. Now, True. that could be that could be a business for them as well to say, hey, if you, and again, we talk as consumers, Microsoft selling to businesses, but businesses who have designers, who have engineers, who use CAD and things like that, they could say, here is <clears throat> the Surface eGPU, something that's designed to work in tandem with the Surface Pro, we sell it separately. It is a few hundred, few hundred more bucks, but it's more portable, so to speak. It's sleeker. It works and is seamless with the with the Pro Nine or Pro Ten, whatever they call it. And this is where you get all that <clears throat> GPU when you need it, and you don't sacrifice the form factor to have it when you don't, so to speak. That's just my take. That thing is well, something that's smart gonna for say, them. I'm going to say one thing on that and leave it alone. One, I, I totally agree <laughs> because that is a market that I um, played in when I was in that other ecosystem we mentioned on a previous podcast. Um, there are third-party companies that have Apple options. You can go mm -hmm. buy that all-in-one eGPU, plug it in, go your GPU is part of the deal. You don't have to do the setup. You don't have to necessarily know what GPU to choose and know all the technical details. And more or less, you don't have to do the hardware part of it, of installing it. I think that would be a great market for them to get into with one catch. The GPU would almost need to be upgradable in some way, possibly. Agreed. That, Agreed. that way you're not buying it. And two years later, you've got the six thousand or seven thousand, you know, of whatever you choose, but you're stuck with the, you know, four thousand that you bought two years ago and have to go spend again. So something that's upgradable, maybe something modular, could be done. I've seen it done on the other side of non-Microsoft things. I totally agree with you, and I think that could put a pin on our Surface Talk. Like we said, twenty twenty two. If you're just you know having a, con a table conversation, everyone was the year that Microsoft kind of took off. But in their defense, 
So did everyone else. Uh, yeah. As much as we talked about tech and hardware this year, everyone kind of just rehashed. I, the iPhone 14 is just the iPhone 13 with slightly better camera. Uh, the MacBooks, the M2, while you know still a great chipset, had its issues with heating and things like that. It wasn't a super giant leap for people who were buying MacBooks. I believe most of the YouTube fan base and journalists and, and reviewers are saying you'd be better off buying the M1. Uh, so, you know, my Apple didn't come out anything super significant. The iPads were roughly the same. Uh, Lenovo and all the other companies were just, again, refining theirs. I believe Dell was the only one that kind of took a giant leap with that crazy XPS uh, light up. Uh, the XPS Plus, I believe. Dell XPS 13 that has the, like, super flat keyboard and the, no, the non-linear or at least no lines on the trackpad. You know, that whole format. That, they yeah. were probably the only company that really came with something super new for 2022. I'm gonna, I'm a, you're right. I'm gonna have to call you out on one more though. Did you see the um, XPS tablet? They can't. Well, we'll call it a tablet. It's True. a Surface. Mm-hmm. It it it's a Surface lookalike. Um, not quite. It doesn't have the wedge. It's the all-in-one case. Mm-hmm. But the cool the the cool thing about that, no pun intended, it's fanless. That is a. Yes. I had the opportunity to check one of those out that somebody in the family had purchased. And for what it is, you know, like you said, there's not been a whole lot done this year, but I thought that was a cool Windows device that came out. True. Yeah, I, you're you're totally right. And I did miss that a little bit. Uh, but I was saying, you know, the bigger players, like even Google. Google uh, kind of rehashed the Pixel 6 with the Pixel 7 the way it is. I mean, they refined the camera bump but it is roughly the same kind of sort of phone and stuff so again 2022 was a year of pause for a lot of hardware i expect now that you know uh manufacturing is kind of back up to where it's at and and you know people the logistics side of everything is kind of coming back online after the pandemic that we will start to see some pretty big leaps as far as hardware is concerned across the board not just from microsoft but from everybody uh our next one uh is xbox and we, there's a lot of Xbox news this year. Yes, and it just depends on how you know how you want to tackle that, folks. Um, the let let let's start with the good stuff. The Xbox Series S, I think, has really surprised a lot of people with its sales. And you know, then there's the X. If you can find it in stock, I know it's in stock a little more than it was just even a few months ago. Just browsing various outlets it's interesting that even i've got a few emails from microsoft in the last couple of weeks you know saying hey this year we have the series x for christmas that's an improvement and but you know the big news that we've kind of killed everybody with over the last couple of weeks and i think uh, a lot of other places have too is the activision blizzard thing going on with microsoft microsoft wants to spend a little bit of money we'll call yes. it that a little bit of money Okay, before we get into that, I do want to note also as well as far as the good Xbox new stuff, Microsoft has made some pretty significant gains as far as market share for the console sure. itself. It is, don't get me wrong, PlayStation is still outselling them, but not by the margins that it was last generation, at least not at the same period in time. Uh, Microsoft has surprisingly made inroads in some uh, areas in the EU and UK, uh, tiny movement in, in uh, Asian markets and whatnot. Uh, in the in the U.S., they seem to be, and again, this could just be uh, a result of the pandemic and both companies uh, having to kind of uh, taper back uh, the availability of next-gen consoles. It could be an exclus- exclusivity issue. Again, up front, there are a ton of exclusives at the beginning of the life cycle for a console. You tend to get that kind of stuff towards the middle and the end of that, uh, which helps kind of uh, push those numbers forward. Either way, Microsoft is doing much better this beginning portion of console sales for this generation than they did last generation, which is good. They've also made some gains uh, with Game Pass uh, and uh, xCloud as well. Um, People are knowing what that is. People are, uh, beyond knowing it, are just enjoying it. Like, there are, I think they're at 25 million subscribers as of yet, and I believe those are all paying ones with a range between, what is it, $10 and $14 or something like that between what tiers you can have if you do a PC only version of it, if you do PCN and console or, you know, console, whatever. Uh, Microsoft has got 25 million people signed up for something that's basically Netflix for gaming. And, you know, it does, it has great games. It doesn't have a ton of 
crazy exclusives. You know, you're not getting like your Spider-Mans or God of Wars there or anything like that, but or Call of Duty, but you are getting something to play. And it pairs well with, like you said, the surprise of the S- Series S. Uh, because people can do gaming relatively cheap now for both console and uh, software. And too, it's like you said, it's not not to knock the other services that have been out there. When you when you pull that interface up, there are at least some top tier notable titles in there, and you know you can actually find something to play. And I, I applaud Microsoft for that. There's you know that they have partnered with EA. You even see EA games in in the cloud, and that's something I never thought I would see after their arguments and all that went back a few years. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd see the day that I'd see a Battlefield or a Madden 21, 22, you know, in their cloud to play, just fired up and play on any device. Um, Microsoft's kind of got the market cornered on the cloud and. I hope they keep. I hope they keep everybody else in the other corner. I, I'm a fan. Well, to that point, here's Activision, Interactivision, and Microsoft's bid for a, I believe it's sixty-eight point seven billion dollars to buy the world's one of the world's largest uh, game publishers uh, in in yeah in the gaming sector. Uh, this was announced, I believe, last November. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, you know, kind of looking through the books and things like that, and they kind of came out with the final number. Uh, since then, though, we've been on a roller coaster ride of publicity, of court cases, of investigations, and it's only going to continue into, I believe, at least the middle of uh, 2023 at the earliest for the conclusion of whatever this deal is. Uh, going kind of recapping all of that, uh, Activision has kind of been in some turmoil, but. Uh, Kotick, I believe his name is, is uh, facing some lawsuits just by the management of the company. It's had a not the greatest company culture. Uh, there's been class action lawsuits. There's been uh, unionization efforts that have been fought and some won, fortunately. Uh, Microsoft came in kind of, I wouldn't say at its low point because it's still making a ton of money, but kind of a low point that to, and swoop up this gig in. Biggest gaming publisher, it has titles like World of Warcraft, Call of Duty. They bought King, which is, you know, all your Candy Crush stuff from, you know, a couple of years back. Uh, Microsoft's looking to purchase all of that. Uh, and as we said, their efforts, I believe, lie in mobile and cloud. But the biggest issue for everybody is Call of Duty. And Sony's making it their, their, their you know, soapbox in order to stop this. So now we're going through the regulatory process, and Sony has been talking, speaking with every regulator, UK, CMA, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, every place that needs to get the approval and saying, hey, we don't want Microsoft buying Activision because they can lock us out of Call of Duty. Microsoft's been saying for the past five, six months, we are not locking anybody. We don't necessarily care about Call of Duty. But they won't come out and say what they do care about, which is mobile gaming and the cloud. And to, you know, to our point that we just said about xCloud and Game Pass and the Series S. Like Microsoft wants to move away from console-dependent gaming. It's, you know, I believe I was talking to our editor-in-chief earlier today saying that it's going to be that concept, hopefully if Microsoft's successful, or if not Microsoft, maybe somebody else is successful in, in kind of moving to cloud gaming. That concept will be like if you bought a TV or you bought a Chromecast or you brought, you know, a, a Fire Stick, and you can only watch these things, like you can only watch these streaming services. You'd be like, well, why would I buy? I want to buy the one thing that lets me do all of these things. And Microsoft is saying, like, hey, the cloud is where it's at. That we want to have a Game Pass, so it doesn't matter which console you're on. If you if you have a PlayStation, if you don't have a PlayStation, if you have a Samsung TV, and you have Game Pass, you will be able to play a giant library of games. You won't be restricted to, oh, I need to have uh, a, a six hundred dollar PlayStation Seven to play the next God of War. It's like I will have a Samsung TV and an Xbox controller or any controller and play any game I want. Microsoft has always said play anywhere and Phil Spencer. I'm a fan of Phil's, you know, none of us know him personally or anything, but I'm a fan of his approach to gamers. You know, he, he just wants people to play. It does. It doesn't matter where you play. doesn't matter how you play. He's all about accessibility. And I, I'm a big fan of just, Pick up something, play, and have fun. And 
I think he's trying to knock down some branding walls here that have been up since the beginning of time with gaming all the way back to Nintendo and Sega. You know, you either bought one or the other and, you know, you bought your cartridges and that's where you stayed. And there was a lot of these developers that developed games maybe under different names even back then. So they got used to developing for this and developing for that. Now, Microsoft is coming in and saying, look, let's knock some of these walls down. You know, it's kind of upset people a little bit. And, you know, PlayStation being one of them, it it, it still baffles my mind. And I've not seen any numbers that one title, Call of Duty, you know, I, I, let's not, you know, go into the mobile and stuff like that, but just Call of Duty in general is big enough, popular enough, bad enough, tough enough to basically hold this whole thing up in the air. I've not heard anybody say a whole lot about any of it, except Sony has brought Call of Duty in. So that wakes up the EU and says, we need to talk about it. That wakes up the FTC and says, look, we don't like it. Here's a lawsuit for you. You know, my thought is, if if Sony hadn't have brought up Call of Duty, would this be over with by now? Yeah, I mean, it's not. We we shouldn't be painting Microsoft as altruistic because they're not. They're business. Um, and yet, you know, at the end of the day, owning the IP, owning the titles, owning the the publishing rights to this is money in their in their pocket. Microsoft, you know, if if they kept everything as is didn't mess with anything didn't tweak anything and is is true to their word what, what they want to do for sony by offering 10 years that's sony paying money to microsoft i think what ends up happening though is people are conflating the fact that microsoft is a two two trillion dollar company and that activision is such is such a big player in the game that they're not understanding that microsoft is second fiddle in gaming just gaming. Sure. So I think I think they're conflating like, hey, you have two tr- your two trillion dollars value cap, and you have businesses in Office, Azure, the cloud. You do hardware. You do all of these things, and we don't want you to have something more. Versus isolating and saying, hey, the market leader is the is PlayStation, is Sony, and you are trying to compete with them by by purchasing this. It's a big purchase. Don't get me wrong. And there's a lot that could go wrong. So there are concessions that need to be put in place, which I believe at the end of the day, this is what's going to end up happening during FTC season and say, hey, we want to make sure that you put in writing that you're not going to do these things. And Microsoft will most likely say yes, unless it's like, you know, give Call of Duty in, per- in perpetuity. They're like, you know, that that doesn't make any sense. That's not even legal. Um, but it's Microsoft, you know, the, the FTC and all these regulators need to understand that Microsoft in gaming is second tier. They aren't so, in every market. They're not doing well in every market like Sony is. And this is how they plan to compete. So you're saying, and I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. You're, you're, you're saying that before all this is over with, Microsoft closes this deal. And with concessions, they get what they want. Yes. Uh, and again, I am all for the FTC thoroughly investigating every purchase, not just this one um you know this is that's their job i believe that this case in particular is probably a losing case for them um but they should investigate everyone uh, every every big and small purchase to this degree put a hold on it if you need to and if again if it costs microsoft a few more billion dollars to to run this a deal past the june deadline which i think they set for themselves with investors at uh activision then so be it but i want to make sure that you know whoever is throwing out this lawsuit understands what they want from this, what they want to be you know, come from this. We don't want another Ticketmaster slash Live Nation situation. We want sure. them to say like, hey, if they're going to be selling tickets, we want you, if you have to, spin off and create a third third business that competes with itself amongst yourself, but give customers an opportunity and an area to to kind of, you know, let their dollars speak for the competition in the market. So again, Microsoft, I. Uh, you know, Brad Smith's very confident about it. Uh, you know, he's also being public about it. We don't know what they're doing internally, but I do believe at the end of the day, at the end of 2023, we will have Microsoft having purchased Activision Blizzard and, you know, with a bunch of tons of caveats 
in, you know, add to all of these. So that'll be two major game studios under Microsoft belt within what three years? Basically, yeah. Quite but again, like I said, spring. the idea is less about exclusivity because Microsoft would be shooting themselves in the foot to cut off the the amount of money, audience, pool, reach that Call of Duty has on the PlayStation Network. Uh, it's about moving towards the future, putting these titles day and day on the Xbox Game Pass and getting Xbox Game Pass on the PlayStation. That is the that is the point. It isn't to say, hey, we don't want you to, we don't want PlayStation players to ever play it. We just want you to play it through Game Pass, and we want it to be Game Pass to be everywhere. That that ha- has been my thought. You know, we have these things called universal apps. Now we have it with, let, let's, you know, go back to productivity for a second. We had teams this year come out with the Linux app and the Linux app came and, you know, you see teams functioning on Apple, you see teams functioning on Windows, of course, and now you see it functioning on Linux. I, I can't understand why it doesn't make sense to Sony to say, hey, put an app on the dashboard. I get it. It hurts their feelings to see the competitor's name Xbox on their dashboard. I totally get it. But I think at the end of the day, you know, and same for Microsoft. If Microsoft was to go the other direction and say, look, here's the PlayStation store. And I'm kind of out in left field here. I understand that. But I think that, you know, that's ultimately where we need to be, where you want to play something on Game Pass that maybe PlayStation doesn't have? Halo, for example. Exactly. Make that make that happen. I totally I totally agree with you. Uh, our next topic, I believe, and this is the one that I think we were kind of scratching our heads about, or at least trying to reca- recap and recruit, is Microsoft 365. Like that is the business portion of Microsoft's you know uh, portfolio. And it was it had a big year, you know, uh, it's you know, it's we went through the rebranding of Office 365, uh, where I guess we're still sort of in the middle of it, so to speak, uh, where Microsoft 365 will not just be I mean, Office 365 will now be referred to as Microsoft, Microsoft 365. But um, I do see like all the things that we've added uh, into this. Uh, we've got tons of feature updates uh, over the last like, you know, two quarters. Uh, that includes like uh, momentum uh, with teams being kind of at the forefront and kind of being the glue for a lot of this. You know, uh, communication is always key uh, for a lot of things and kind of spins off stuff from that. Um, we got, uh, I mean, and I think this is all because of us moving towards a hybrid versus like, you know, uh, working strictly from home or working strictly from office that Microsoft 365 has been able to kind of succeed in being that uh, hybrid on-premise, off-premise solution for a lot of uh, clients and companies. Uh, as far as what I, what we're going to be seeing in the future, I think you and I were talking last week about this. Was you know I expect to see Microsoft 365 roll in more things, and at some point, I don't know if it's going to happen next year, but in like the next few years, I think that's just going to be the product. It'll be like Amazon Prime. Oh, where you will have Microsoft 365 will just will have various versions of it. It'll be uh, you'll have 365 for, for Xbox, you'll have 365 for Office, you'll have 365 for Windows. Uh, if you're you're using um, virtualization or um, I'm forgetting the term where you like basically uh, dial into your to your PC client from other places and things like that. Remote uh, access. Remote access. Yes, exactly. Uh, Microsoft 365 Dynamics or, you know, all of the other desperate apps will all just be under this and you'll be, you know, might be paying 30, 40 bucks for it, but you'll be getting your gaming, you'll be getting your productivity, you'll be getting your creative a- aspects because, again, they're building more things into, like we mentioned uh, earlier, in Windows, they added ClipChamp. So, you know, they're looking and I believe uh, Microsoft Create was another thing that they added in the last couple, last month or whatever. So they're trying to cater towards creatives or whatever. So, again... In the future, I believe you're just going to be paying 40 bucks and getting access to all of the Microsoft portfolio stuff, if necessary. 
And one thing that uh, Azure got that has not made it to consumers, but I think it's just a matter of time, is those virtual desktops. That, yes. came, that came, what, five, six months ago, where they're a little bit pricey because they're meant to be that way because they don't want the consumers going out and buying them. But you could, you know, even get a, uh, there's a, I've looked through them. There's even a few images up there where you can get a developer's image that comes with your visual studio. Then, you know, and you just click provision and, you know, the Azure does its thing. And a few minutes later, there's your desktop. And there is a Windows Office combination as well, I believe. And it's just a matter of time, I think, too, before even that trickles down to consumers. And that's a whole other discussion for another day. But I think you're getting into you pay for one thing. Goes back to the Xbox discussion. You pick up one device. You've got Internet access and you've got all things Microsoft. They're available to you. Oh, and if again, if we're speculating about the future, this is where we kind of can tie everything back into, again, the cloud and how it's going to help power not only the, the software that solutions that Microsoft has, but the hardware. So imagine getting a Surface Pro, we'll say 15 at this point, or whatever it's called, and that being technically your console and your workstation and your thin client that you're remoting in, because all of this stuff is only using minimal resources like you because the servers that Microsoft is is powering is doing most of the heavy lifting. So again, if you're playing X Cloud on your Surface Pro 15 or whatever, you don't need the GPUs for that. But you're getting low latency, you're getting uh, high fidelity, you're getting uh, you know all of these things because Microsoft servers are pushing it to your device. Same thing with uh, you know remote access or whatnot. You don't you know necessarily need. GPUs to, to you start using all the creative uh, cloud solutions or whatnot. You you can use you can get away with a Snapdragon processor and still get that performance. And your your devices are you know fanless and getting thinner. You know Microsoft. You know that's I believe that would be the dream at that point. For for me, without you know getting way off tangent, that it that that would be the dream for me. And I think that's part of the reason Microsoft is still even though some people kind of chuckle at them, that they're still continuing the Windows on ARM, you know, movement. There's been a lot of people say, look, you know, why are you still doing this? Even some popular magazines, I've seen articles say, look, you know, is Microsoft done with ARM? I think this is part of the reason they keep that name out there because, like you said, I don't think it's next year. I don't even think it's 2024. It may not even be 2025, but I think it's coming to where you pick up that one connected device, which is what the Surface Pro 9 right now. Surface, some of you know it as Surface Pro X. Uh, you pick up that one connected device, and you bought that from Microsoft too, because remember that's a Microsoft go. product. You I was gonna say that you bought that Microsoft going. product and you got everything Microsoft. It's 5G or 6G, wherever we are at the point in time that it comes out. And there you go. To me, that's the perfect world. That's the way I like to work. I'm an ecosystem guy. I would love to see that. Oh, and and you know they're going to be onboarding all of the software solutions the same way that they used to do when they bundled Office. So you, like you said, you go in. You you can you can uh, uh, finance your Surface Pro because they have their financing wing or arm, uh, and then you basically load up your system, put in your credentials, uh, a la Google uh, Chrome or whatever, and the system loads up and it starts you know kind of partitioning all of the stuff you had from your last device with the option to continue your subscription to all of the Microsoft 365 products, which will then start re-downloading stuff for games, stuff for Office, stuff from Azure if you're using Power BI and all these other things to do, you know, machine learning and algorithms, things like that, all on this device. So you bought your one device and you get access to all these things. And, you know, maybe they bundle the device price in with your Microsoft 365 subscription and hopefully at a discount. This works for businesses as well, because now you're not necessarily just buying the software subscription. You're saying, hey, Give me the device with the thing loaded on it for this discount, and I'll buy them in fleet. And so Microsoft makes money on that as well. So that, again, is the future for Microsoft 365. So 
I have, again, if, if I'm predicting, start expecting to see Microsoft bundling more things under the, the brand of Microsoft 365 in the coming months and years, uh, and eventually ending it with saying, hey, we've included Xbox in this. I think that will be, you know, I hate to say it, but I think, you know, when it comes to 365, it's productivity first, as it should be. And I, I do think that's the final nail is something called Xbox 365 or gaming 365 or whatever they, you know, whatever word they choose to use. And I think once they've done that, then whatever is next for computing and software, we may find out what that is. But I think once they've done that, I know as a consumer, I help a lot of people, you know, make their buying decisions on things and whatnot. It would be nice just to send them to the store and go, hey, choose your device and then choose bundle one, two, three, and four. And they're good to go. Yeah. Last topic would be Azure. Um, And the world of Azure was very steady in 2022 up until Q1, I believe, which falls under this calendar year uh where microsoft kind of had it it had missed expectations while still beating the market so to speak uh and that comes on the heels of a slowing in cloud uh uptick so to speak uh and again this is across the board same thing happened to aws uh google's cloud as well while you know smaller companies are making you know uh quarter over quarter strides that seem really significant because you know they had smaller market shares uh, Microsoft was, you know, doing, it was following suit until this past quarter where, you know, investors starting to wonder, are we reaching saturation, so to speak? Now, there's a big world, there's a big world of things that the cloud can do and can power. We, I don't think we've tapped into that. But as far as people paying uh, for the service, paying for the provisions, picking out which way they want to uh, uh, apply the cloud, because again, AWS is more uh hands-on as far as the person who's going to be doing it and it's where it's very off-premise so to speak microsoft is using an on-premise and and hybrid solution they're kind of stuck in the middle google is i believe uh, off-premise more so to speak so it's now becoming i guess the market's kind of settling in on who the top providers are who will be the a b and potentially c uh solutions for everybody paired up with the productivity suites. So, you know, you have Office and you have Azure and you get Google Cloud to get all the Google services. And the AWS is using a mixture of things and they just picked up a partnership with, uh, what was it? Uh, what's a big competitor? Uh, Mark Benioff is running oh, Salesforce. Yes. So, Salesforce and Slack got together and they're teaming up with uh, AWS to kind of take on Microsoft. But anyway, it uh, seems that we were going to be, I think, moving into more turbulent times in the upcoming quarters as far as cloud is concerned. Microsoft, again, like I said, they've been for the last, I don't know, two years, been on a steady coast of, you know, cloud pushing everything for them and being a big winner. I'm not saying that it's going to stop anytime soon, but the gains that were, you know, we were seeing 35% revenue increases quarter over quarter, year over year, will start to come down to about 20 potentially, you know, in tougher times and in more turbulent economic uh, headwinds, which we're going to be coming, you know, unfortunately, potentially everyone keeps talking about a recession, which we're going to start to see, you know, businesses uh, pull back. They aren't getting the loans to invest anymore on doing cloud or jumping into cloud because of high inflation rates uh, and uh, uh, the raise of interest rates so they can't borrow money the way they used to. So we're going to see investments in the cloud kind of come down. So I see, again, somewhere between 20 and maybe 16% increases versus what they, the big um, was that the stock market was banking on to, to kind of prop up Microsoft's cloud uh, business. What do you think? Well, as with everything else, you know, it goes, you know, when, when a new product comes out that people are interested in, it grows like wildfire and then it kind of levels off. And, you know, even at some point there's a drop. And I think when I have personally used Azure enough to, to see two things in it. One being everything you just said there is 100% correct, and I think, uh, and I agree with it, but COVID and the pandemic drove a lot of the cloud growth across Mm -hmm. the board. The other thing is, and this applies to all the clouds, and personally, I've used Azure, I've used Amazon's, 
and I have also used Google's. There's a lot of businesses that stay away from it for one reason. When you open up that Azure dashboard, there's so many choices there and there's so many options. Unless you're deep into an IT, you know, deep into IT or deep into development or you've got a consultant there to help you. I tried it myself, just spinning up a simple Windows server. They don't make it small business friendly. Forget pricing for a minute, just straight up get in the dashboard functionality. And I think if they would spin something off to where, hey, we've got, what is it, Windows Server Essentials that a lot of small businesses buy, go here, choose your instance, make it easy, and don't make people have to go through that big table of options. And again, this applies for all clouds. They all do it. I'm not, you know, just cornering up Azure here. I think there's a market out there, too, of small businesses that they could get to because there's a lot of small businesses that don't have the capital up front to sit a rack in the closet and pay the IT person to look after it. But they open up that Azure dashboard. Hey, this little, con you know, we, we just can't get to what we need. Go ahead and build the rack. And once that small business has built that rack, it's hard to get them to go back the other way oh, because I, it's I, an investment. Yeah, I hear everything you're saying, and I believe that's, again, 100% accurate as far as Microsoft overshooting the small and medium business. And this is where AWS picks up a lot of that stuff and where Google's starting to chip away at both of them because, like you said, it's more streamlined. Now, to that point, we have seen and we've reported on several reorgs that Microsoft is trying to figure out the sweet spot as far as their sales team and how to pitch this and how to make it easier and more accessible. Because like you said, they the system was basically set up to have the salesperson go in, they make money off the salesperson and their partners selling these things. And they'll if their partners have to explain it, the more money they make, the longer the contracts are because there's that middle person that's doing all of the uh, footwork in helping set up and all these things. And you know, if if you're able to, like you said, just have a client do it themselves, purchase the serve, you know, purchase the Windows Essential, kind of get up and going on themselves, there's a, you know, you take away a whole market business for people, which again Microsoft makes money off of. And they've slowly started to realize that they don't need these giant sales teams. They just need to figure out how to explain to their clients what they're getting and how to make use of it. Uh, to that point, uh, hopefully they streamline the dashboard itself. Uh, to a company, their smaller team saying, hey, we will set up uh, kind of like what they do with, you know, displays at Best Buy. So like, here's the version of Azure that you're going to use that has everything you asked for. And that's it. If you need us to come back in and, you know, refigure that, um, we can, or we can walk you through it, or you can figure it out yourself. But at, up front, we've locked everything out. This is what you need. And we don't necessarily need a salesperson for that. We just need the software for it. So, um, you know, I expect to see another potential reorg in the future where they can they streamline this, but hopefully following, like you said, your lead as far as fixing the dashboard, fixing the way that uh, businesses kind of uh, link up to this and catering more to small to medium businesses. Because I think those are going to be uh, some of the ones that are the low hanging fruit uh, after a lot of these big contracts kind of run their course. Totally agree. So that is the year of 2022. We talked about uh, some stuff that we plan to see, a lot of stuff we plan to see in 2023. Uh, but again, 2022 overall for Microsoft was another very good year uh, under Sasha Devella's watch. Uh, there have been other stories that we haven't covered as far as like uh, their sexual harassment report thing that came out or uh, his CEO compensation or uh, you know all of the security issues that Microsoft faced uh, over this year. There was a ton of it. A lot of it came from Exchange, but there were security problems and, and uh, uh, things that popped up here and there. Uh, we didn't talk about HoloLens very much because there wasn't much to talk about unless you were in the Army where you're saying, hey, this thing makes me nauseous, fix it, Microsoft. Uh, they're potentially about to lose a contract uh, with the Army if they can't get these things done. Uh, we did have a bunch of drama with the uh, co, I mean, I guess the creator of it, uh, the Microsoft fellow at 
a whole other thing as well. Uh, but, you know, these are just smaller news, but we wanted to give you guys kind of a taste of what happened in case you were under a rock or if you're coming from another ecosystem and you just want to get caught up. So I hope hopefully uh, this helped for you guys. It was definitely cathartic for us. I hope to see you guys in 2023. Happy New Year, folks. Thanks.